A couple of reminders before we get started. Italy is open for business. Not only do we podcast about Tuscany, but we can also help you get there. We partner with some of the best travel planners in the region. We give you that peace of mind of knowing you have someone in the United States you can talk to before you leave to ensure you have boots on the ground when you arrive. If you are interested in working with us, email TotalTuscany at gmail.com. Make sure to follow the Total Tuscany podcast on whatever platform you listen on. This way, you know right away when a new episode is out. If you have time, give us a five-star rating and write a review. We love to see your feedback. Follow Total Tuscany on social media. Just search Total Tuscany on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is the Total Tuscany Podcast, Episode 83. I consider wine to be a product that is of the people. Um, I really, like many of your listeners... I really don't buy the world's most expensive bottle or the bottle on the list. Wine is a drink of the people. Wine enhances the food. It's a food product itself. For Joanne Ross, wine is a way of life. A hobby at an early age has turned into a career in wine education. She's now inviting all of us into her classroom at the Commonwealth Wine School. Joanne is a certified wine specialist and a certified spirits specialist. She will be teaching two different courses coming up, specifically dedicated to wines of Italy. You'll hear about them during our interview. She's visited 15 of the 20 regions in Italy and is ready to share her knowledge and help all of us enjoy Italian wine more than we already do. I've changed things up on you a little bit. Welcome to the brand new Total Tuscany podcast studio. I feel out of place. You know, I don't know where my coffee cup's supposed to go. And this is just a little fancy, a little fancy. We've upgraded our studios and I'll I'll send a picture out of it uh, on the Total Tuscany Facebook page and uh, Instagram page. But uh, yeah, my, uh, I've had a studio in my, in my basement for a long time. You've, you've known that, Uh, but it was kind of, uh, it was just kind of thrown together. Uh, A lot of people may or may not know this, but I do a radio show every single day out of my basement. And my son is is a visionary, and he's a, a musician, and so he's kind of making this uh, uh, his own recording studio as well. So he was like, you know, we need to upgrade your, upgrade your your space, Dad. And I, I worked in radio since I was 16 years old, and I can tell you, this might be the best studio I've ever been a part of. That includes all the professional places I've worked. I mean, it's really that what what we're sitting at right now is is top grade. I mean, we, it's it's amazing. And when we say basement studio, it, this is <laughs> you can conjure. This is really really nice. You know, sooner or later, and, and I know you may not be on board of this because uh, I, I know you love your privacy, but we may have to go to like a video podcast. We may have to. Um, put your face on YouTube. Well, you know, I think if our <laughs> listeners could see how much older you look than me, that might not be a bad so, thing. But just to let you know, there's a joke that our wives find, uh, I, I don't know, either crude or just not funny, but Pat and I have fun. Uh, we like to joke about how old we're getting now, and we like to play a joke on each other when it comes to age. So if we go to a restaurant, if we get to the server first, 
we usually have a birthday cake or somebody come out and sing happy birthday when it's not even our birthday, just to remind us of, of the aging process. Pat probably, we've, we've got each other really, we were at a Mexican restaurant one night and all of a sudden I have a sombrero in my head and they're singing happy birthday to me and it's not even close to being my birthday. And the tequila was flowing. And the tequila was flowing. But I got even like a week later when I brought Pat to a comedy club. Oh, that was the worst. And, and I had the comic on stage uh, talk about Pat's age and had the whole crowd crowd several hundred people. <laughs> several hundred people so we, we play this practical joke on, on one another and uh, we have fun doing it and just for the record pat is older than i am oh but don't look i don't look like it. <laughs> oh no yeah well okay you have more hair than i do how's that that's, that's fair and that's gray uh but i i have zero hair so uh, hey are you ready to are you ready to go back to school uh, I am ready to go to wine school. <laughs> yeah, because Pat's a lawyer. He's done enough schooling in his life. He, he's gone through college. He's gone through law school. The last thing he wants to do is go back to school. I, I, I went to college. I had my bachelor's degree. I didn't have the desire to, to go on and get a master's or a law degree or anything like that. But I think we're always learning, right? When we go to Italy, which, by the way, I don't know if I, we've had a podcast since, uh, since I booked this, but I'm booked for December now. I'm, I'm going to Florence in December and going so if you're listening to this he rubs this in our face every day <laughs> well it was just one of those deals what i i've been wanting to go and i haven't gone since covid started in 2019 when i believe i brought covid back from italy and and i had when i was sick and i was never diagnosed because i didn't have a test there but it, we, my wife and i haven't been and we've been in an every year rotation and we just haven't been since 2019, so it's good to get back. We're going to leave in early December, spend about uh, 10 days there, and uh, with, with no agenda, which is nice. But I think this time when I go back, I'll have even more knowledge because you and I are going to go back to school. And this was a this is a weird thing. I, you ever get one of those random emails? You're like, who's emailing me? How do people get my name on an email list? Well, that happened to me earlier in the week when I got an email from the Commonwealth Wine School. And I was intrigued because I, I, I didn't know what it was. And I opened it up and I'm like, well, this is really cool. The Commonwealth Wine School is based out of Boston, Massachusetts. And they run classes for people who are interested in wine. Now, in the olden days, this was always taking place in person. So it was never really practical for you and I who live in the middle of America to go to Boston for a wine school, but because COVID has has changed the way we learn now, and we can do so many more things online, we can actually take these classes online. Yeah, this this uh, this school, you can take a live class if you want in Boston, or watch it from Australia, Australia, Texas, California, or Omaha, Nebraska, where we are located. And this this school has some really good very experienced teachers. Yeah, I mean, they have a, a, an entire faculty. They cover Spanish wine. They cover French wine. They cover California, Napa. But they also cover Italy. And there are a couple different courses you can take. And I didn't know which direction this was going to go today. But we have uh, a, a course that, especially for the newbies, right? Maybe you're not really uh, fully informed or you just want to learn more. There's a great class coming up in October. In fact, it, it runs on three consecutive Wednesdays 
from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. There is an exam if you want to take a test. I, I, I guess I would want to take a test it's just to test my knowledge. But it goes October 12th through the 26th. Again, three hours uh, on three separate Wednesdays. And it's called The Wines of Italy, Glass by Glass, an Italian Wine Scholar Prep Course. It's being taught by Joanne Ross. She's been to 15 of the 20 regions in Italy and is very passionate about her 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 Italian wine. That's 15 is a that's a huge accomplishment right there. It, it really is and if you want to hear more about the class, if you want to hear her passion, just sit back, relax, turn up the the volume and enjoy Joanne Ross, our guest on today's Total Tuscany podcast. Joanne Ross, to start our interview, and since this is audio only, most people can't see this. The only person who can see it is uh, me, uh, Pat, and, and you. But we're starting, we didn't open it, but a, a Cole Barreto, uh, 2015 a Reserva Chianti Classico DOCG. How, how'd I do with my selection for our interview? You did great, and I want to point out something really, this is the most important thing that you can get about wines from Tuscany. There is Chianti, and there is Chianti Classico, and never the twain shall meet. Chianti Classico is that lovely region between Florence and Siena, the old classically designated from the medieval times, but Chianti is a huge widespread area. So if you go to a store and ask for a nice Chianti, you may not get a Chianti Classico. Well, and, and that was when we, and we've been several times uh, to Tuscany, and I think I tell everybody, look for the rooster. I mean, look for the rooster. If you get the rooster, you got yourself a Classico. If you don't have a rooster, uh, you, you don't really know what you have, right? Do you know the rooster story, Travis? No, fill me in. Oh, my gosh. This is the wonderful rooster story from Chianti Classico. So in the Middle Ages... The Florentines and the Sienese were fighting and fighting and fighting over the borders. This is legend, by the way. They were fighting over their borders. And they decided what they were going to do was somebody was going to send a rider down from Florence on a horse. And for, in Siena, somebody was going to send a rider north. And wherever they met, that's where the border was. And they were going to leave at dawn at the rooster's crow. So the Sienese had a white rooster and they fed it and they coddled it and it always woke up a little late. The Florentines, on the other hand, had a black rooster. They starved it. They treated it very cruelly and it got up very early every morning. So therefore, the morning of the designated race, the Florentine horseback rider left a whole lot earlier. The borders were defined. And out of that came the black rooster much closer to Siena than the Sienese would have allowed. How about that? That's that is that is a legend. Is that how you start one of your classes when you start doing, uh, you know, uh, the, the regions uh, of Italy when it comes to say, hey, we got to we got to well, talk about the rooster. No, 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 no. Well, you led me into it. So here's how we start. My actual start in the wine industry, uh, this is before I even started teaching classes on Italian wines. 
my current husband, love was in the air. And he comes over with a bottle of Chianti in a basket. This is back now in 1993. And love was blooming. And we put a candle into the bottle. Two days later, I start my first Italian wine class. And the teacher gets up. And the first thing he says is, never buy Chianti in a basket. <laughs> so that was... that. <laughs> So that is how I start my class. But interestingly enough, a lot of the premier winemakers from Chianti Classico are trying to revive that whole concept of Chianti in Chianti Classico, elegant Chianti Classico in a little basket. In fact, there's one company, one vineyard putting together 500 milliliter little tiny Chianti Classicos in a basket, which they ship to Belgium. Really? Yes. Yes. Is that for the nostalgia? So that, is that for the nostalgia part of it? Just to give it that because people identify with that, so people will buy it because it's in a basket. Absolutely. the The whole basket concept was poo pooed for so long, and the farmers used to have these huge what they called fiascos straw wrapped baskets that they'd have in the field. So it was always associated with cheap Chianti that was in a basket that the farmers would drink. I can tell your, but, your classes are, I can tell they're already fun. Do, are you, are you teaching oh, these things to uh, intermediate beginners? Who, who's your average student? Uh, it, it goes right across the board. I start out, I, I love to teach enthusiasts but I go all the way up to people who are professionals and want to get higher level Italian wine certifications. So somebody asked me last night, are you a sommelier? And I said, no, sommeliers, it's a whole different background. I teach people who want to be in the sommelier trade. I teach people who want to be in the wine industry. So I start out with enthusiasts, I go all the way, enthusiasts or people, consumers just like us who want to really get their heads around Italian wine. You know, it's interesting how I found you because it was a freak accident. Pat goes, how'd you find this? I said, I, it's weird. I got a random email the other day from the Commonwealth Wine School. I've never heard of the Commonwealth Wine School. And I'm like, I don't know how I got on their uh, on their email list. I'm glad I got on their email list. But I clicked on it, and I'm like, well, I had no idea about this. But then I was thinking, well, it's going to be California wine. It's going to be, you know, because most things uh, focus on that crap that they serve in Napa. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. that that's mean to the wine industry. But but then I, so I clicked, and I'm like, well, this is really neat. And then I'm like, well, they, they have an, an, an Italian wine scholar class coming up in, in August. And I'm like, well, this is a great podcast. So I just reached out and they put me in connection with you. So you, you, you teach for the Commonwealth wine school uh, and, and then you also uh, do other classes, but let's start with the first, well, you have two and I, and I'm, and I'm digressing here and going to different di directions. Cause I believe in October you have the wines of Italy glass by glass, which is like a, a primer to the Italian wine scholar, but the Italian wine scholar is coming up first. Should, should we, should Pat and I wait till October or should we just dive in with, with the August one? 
class. I just want to say that the Italian wine scholar classes are magnificent. We really go over the soils of Italy, the climate of Italy, the 20 different regions of Italy, and what makes each region unique from the other. It's very intense. It's very structured. It's very detailed. And it's not for the faint of heart. So the Italian wine scholar is truly at an, to, to be an enthusiast and to try to take this, I, I think is a very brave endeavor. If you have your heart set on really learning Italian wine and you're just starting out, you love Italy, you really wanna get your head around Italian wine, I would start off with the Wines of Italy class. It is, it runs, it's three sessions and it's glass by glass. So we cover the 39 different types of wines that you can get winding your way all throughout Italy. We start out in the north with Prosecco and we end up way, way, way down in Sicily with Nero Davola. So how does that work when our listeners in Australia are tuning in and signing up for this class? Do you give them a wine list and say, go out and buy these things so we can try them together? Or how does that, how does that go? Good question, Pat. In these days of COVID, there's early COVID and there's later COVID. In the early days of COVID, we were picking our wines putting them in tiny little bottles that we would pack up, eliminating any kind of spoilage or whatnot. And we would send these packets of wines out to people so they could follow along. These days, uh, Jessica, who's head of the Commonwealth Wine School, decided that she didn't want to go that route anymore. So what we're doing now is we're sending people like in Australia, like in California, and we have all of our classes audio taped, by the way, not only audio taped, but we do simultaneous Zoom and live classes. So anybody around the world can join. We send them a wine list. It's a generic wine list, like, for example, go out and pick a Prosecco Valdebiadene. So they'll go to their wine store and they pick that out. They, it doesn't really matter that they have the exact wine mm -hmm. because we're really not conducting that strict level of tasting. We're just introducing the product. So that's how people from Australia can join. That's how people from Canada can join or even Nebraska. Yeah, and, and that's what makes it unique. So are you running those Zooms simultaneously with the in-person class that you're doing in Boston. Exactly. So if you're in Australia and I'm teaching the class at nine o'clock at night or six o'clock at night, you would have to get up rather early to join me, but it is possible and all classes are recorded so you can view them at a later time. And this is the good news of what's happened with COVID is that uh, everybody can join us at Commonwealth, even though we're in Massachusetts, Everybody can join us all and, throughout the world. And are they interacting with you, Joanne? Are, yes. They can ask questions. And... It, it good. That's another good question, Pat. It's really 
it's been a challenge for all of us who work in this way to make the home people, the people who are doing it through Zoom, be able to participate. But that's the artistry, I believe, of the teacher, to be able to be adept enough with Zoom so that everybody, the live people and the Zoom people, can be incorporated. It takes practice, and, and it, it, it's hard to do. But once you get the hang of including everybody, it's good. You know what else takes practice? Drinking wine. And it's fun to drink wine. And is that what attracted you to wine was just how people could gather around a table, talk, and just, I don't know, almost be a philosopher about the taste of the grapes and everything else going on? What attracted you to wine? Well, I consider wine to be a product that is of the people. Um, I really, like many of your listeners, I really don't buy the world's most expensive bottle or the bottle on the list. Wine is a drink of the people. Wine enhances the food. It's a food product itself. And my earliest memory of wine was going over an aunt's house and they had a big bottle of Almaden Mountain White Chablis sitting on the table <laughs> back in 1992. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I thought I was in the lap of wonderful elegance. I remember that Have bottle. I, it was not the elegance. It was the conviviality of sitting at a dinner table out of doors with the wine, with the food, and just the relaxation. And to me, wine has always brought me to the moment. A friend of mine has a wonderful analogy. She says, wine can be like going to hear a concert orchestra, or it can be like background music in a restaurant. You can sit and have a glass of wine and really think about the color think about the aromas, think about the flavor, or you can just kind of slug it down. And it depends on what you want to do. It can be a beverage that accompanies the food or something that is kind of a meditation and makes you think. So, Joanne, if you were going to drink uh, a bottle of wine personally that was a background wine, what would that be? And then if you were uh, the other side of that equation, if you were going to buy a bottle that was center stage concert, what would that be? Okay. A background wine. Let's just say I was having a burger and I would get a nice, juicy, affordable red wine that didn't break the bank. It would be something between 10 and $15 You can go below that if you want, but something that would just kind of quench your thirst and be an accompaniment to the food. Mm -hmm. If I were getting a glorious wine to go with something, I can't think of anything better. Right now I'm thinking about oysters and uh, Chablis, which is Chardonnay wine from the northern part of Burgundy. 
That's what I would have. Oysters and Chablis. Boy, now, now, now she made me in the mood for oysters. Yes, bad. she did. I'm so sorry. I should be talking about Tuscany. <laughs> no, no. I, because, I mean, there's so many there's so many different, you know, regions and, and styles of wine out there. I think I, I think if you're just partial to one, you're not you're not opening your, your senses a lot. Now, you could say that we're not very good travelers because the only place that I tend to go and have gone for the last 12 years is Tuscany. I don't go anywhere else. People are like, are you going to explore anywhere else? No, I, I found my happy place, so that's oh, where I'm going to go. Tuscany, if, if I, now I have been to 15 of Italy's 20 regions, and I have to say that if I were going to go somewhere for any period of time so I could get all around Italy, it would be Tuscany. If I were going to go by train or car all throughout Italy, that's where I'd be. Hey, have you folks been to the northern part of Tuscany around the Garfagnana and Lucca? Uh, Pat's, but you know, I skipped Luca. Uh, my, my wife went, I know it's beautiful. My, yeah. It, my wife and I got in an argument one day and uh, she went to Luca and I went to the Piazza de Michelangelo to chill out. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I texted Pat and so I'm by myself. My wife is in Luca, but you've been to Luca. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, I'll t- people think of Tuscany as just that area around Florence and Siena and Montepulciano and Montalcino. But the northwestern part of Tuscany is up in the Apennine Mountains. It's called the Garfagnana. It's totally beautiful. By mistake, my husband and I got there. This is the Chianti and the basket guy. By mistake, we got to the northern in the Garfagnana 25 years ago for our honeymoon and we went back it is really really lovely and that's the area of Luca and then you've got that whole area down on the coast the Marema yep which I still haven't been to yet but then Bulgari which is where George Clooney hangs out sometimes yeah, a lot of pe- a lot of famous people like to hang out in Tuscany. You know, they, even Sting has got his his villa and his vineyard in, in Tuscany. What is your what is your favorite? You know, you mentioned just hanging out. What when it comes to wines, what is your favorite region of Italy? What 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 are your favorite wines of Italy? Well, since I just got back from Sicily, right now I'm very much into Sicilian wine. Sicily, it. it I've been to Sicily four times. Talk about a place that's really magical that you want to go to and you want to visit. See, you're it's feeding his so ego much. now. He's Sicilian, so you're feeding his ego right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What's your last name, Pat? Campania. Campania. And I was just there in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, <clears throat> Sicily used to be the uh, where Tuscany always had a good reputation. The reputation for wines in Italy really didn't take off until the 50s, 1950s, 1960s. And then there seemed to be this whole revival around the 70s, 80s. So Sicily is at the tail end of this. But some of the wines coming from all of the regions the, the wines from Mount Etna, boy, do they live on the edge there. Mm-hmm. The wines from the western part of Sicily. So right now I'm very much into Sicilian wines. And being that it's summer, Tuscany, they, they don't have, they have the Vermentino from Tuscany and they have Vernaccia di San Gimignano 
from Tuscany, but the white wines are not their strong suit. Red wines are their strong suit. And this time of year, I really love a cold glass of Sicilian white wine. I tell you, you mentioned a Vernaccia, though. I have a couple bottles upstairs uh, from, from a vineyard in uh, in San Gimignano, and it's my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite white. I, I, I but it, but I mean, is it spectacular? Uh, to me, it is. But you can mm-hmm. find it. You, you're right. You can find decent white wines, but but it's a lot easier to find a really good red. Well, I remember one time I was teaching a class on Tuscany, and they only wanted white wine. So, <laughs> that was that was so, what a two hour class then. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I I managed. I did have to include a Chianti Classico, of course, but I had oh my gosh, the last secret, um, Vinsanto. We included a Vinsanto because most of the time they used white wine to make that. Are you gentlemen aware of the meditation characteristics of Vinsanto? No, fill us in. Not at all. Oh, my God. So Vinsanto, the name of this is a classic Tuscan product. It's a dessert wine. It's called a meditation wine. You take your biscotti and you dunk it into the Vinsanto and you think you have died and gone to heaven. They make the wines, they pick their grapes, they dry their grapes in something called Vincentia, and then they press these they they press these little shriveled grapes and they let them sit in 50 um 50 liter tanks, very small little wooden wooden vessels and they're sealed shut for years at a time so the way they make them is very complex and the flavor is totally magnificent very tuscan vinsanto and the name comes the wine isn't pressed until holy week so they press the wines around easter which is how they got the name vinsanto so it's more of a dessert wine because because I, I remember when we go to Dario Cicchini's in, in in Panzana we always end the evening with a biscotti. Oh my god, Dario! Exactly, Dario has actually been on this podcast. Believe Get it. Or, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah about uh, three or four years ago, Dario came on this podcast. Before he, re- I mean, he was big then. But now I don't know if we'd be able to get it back on because uh, he's so big. Uh, but uh, we always oh end the God. evening with with a dessert wine and the biscotti. I just didn't know the story behind the the the, the, the Vinsanto or what, how do you say it again? Vinsanto. Vinsanto. The wine of the saints, and it's pressed. So it they 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 have these dried grapes in this these special attics in Tuscany. They hang the grapes and then they press the grapes. They're all shriveled up and they press them during Holy Week. So that's how the name Vinsanto, the wine wine of the saints. I like that. That's great. Yeah. I, Joanne, is there is there a uh, kind of a, a dream class that you want to teach that you haven't been able to uh, put together yet? Good question. Um No, not I, I have to say no. I have to say putting together a tour of Italy. Um, like a, I love to conduct my classes so they're almost like a travelogue or a tour. So the first thing you want to do when you leave my classes is book a trip. 
Well, I'm heading in December, so I'll, I'll be there in December. So I love I love Florence at Christmas time. So uh, Pat's not going with oh. me again. He's he's blowing me off again. He's he's not going to go with us. But uh, uh, Florence at Christmas time is still my is still my favorite. But uh, I, I've never seen it at Christmas time. It, I've only been there when it's really hot. Yeah, so it, it it's really amazing what they do to Florence and even Arezzo and the surround in some of the bigger communities. The light displays they they put on. Mm-hmm are absolutely fascinating and 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 the crowds are a lot less right so tourism is not at an all-time high people come in for the weekends but during the week it's it's a lot less do you ever introduce grappa into your wine classes if i have a chance i do i actually and grappa is an interesting product as a distilled product from the grape the pumice that's left and i do if I can, one time a, a customer asked if I would specifically include grappa, and I talked about the different incarnations of grappa depending on the grapes, depending on the distill distillate that they're using or how they're distilling it. Uh, for your for your listeners, like I say, they take the pumice and they make a distilled. Uh, product out of it like um like hard alcohol so and but they put the grappa in beautiful elegant bottles do you gentlemen enjoy grappa we do yes we do (laughs) yes we do too much yeah it's and i think i enjoy it more and there's something to be said for this because you can drink a, a really good italian wine in the united states you can drink grappa here in the united states but when you're sitting in a hillside town, if you were sitting in Florence, there's something about the atmosphere, the the senses of just the country that that maybe bring out even more of the wine, even bring out more of the grappa. Because when we first went to Italy, and that was 2009, uh, we had grappa, and we we were like, whoa! And then we really started to like it. Then we bought a bottle of grappa back here in the United States. And they're like, well, that doesn't that doesn't it taste the same, wasn't you know. Same. It wasn't quite the same. But every time we go back, uh, we just got a Pat got a bottle of grappa uh, from Il Palzoni, which is a uh, a Brunello produ- producer in uh, in, in Montel in Montalcino. But it it was uh, we love grappa and it's a good digestive. Every time we introduce it to people we know who've never been to Italy, uh, they're they find it repulsive. Uh, yes, I I love it. Now our drink of choice these days is prosecco and Campari. Now all throughout Florence, the drink of Florence is aperol spritz. Yes, uh, you know this is you. They go down really quickly. You can sit on a rooftop bar and drink them. And my husband and I love buying some inexpensive Prosecco. And rather than using Aperol, we love to use Campari. So that seems to be our summer drink of choice. Joanne, I have to, I, I always ask, and I want your opinion. Tell me, what's your take on Super Tuscans? Uh, they're not my wine of choice, but that's just me. Uh, I, If I want to have a Bordeaux blend, I'm going to have Super Tuscan's tradition. Let's tell your customers what they are. They traditionally use Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah, 
in the blend and maybe a little bit of Sangiovese, but they're definitely the grapes that grow in Bordeaux. And it was founded by a man in the 1900s who really wanted to have Bordeaux varietals growing in Tuscany. And that's, he, he was the one who founded the whole Sasakaya movement. Um, they're delicious, but I'd still rather have, if I'm going to have a Bordeaux blend, I'd rather have a Bordeaux, Bordeaux. Uh, now, th your point is well taken, Pat, because sometimes if I'm given two wines that have exactly the same component of grapes, and I have to guess, which one is French and which one is Italian, very often I can pick out which one, and even my, my enthusiasts can pick it out. There's something very unique about an Italian wine that uh, there's a rusticity to it, there's um, a, a looseness to it, there's a, like just from the farm, you really get a sense of place with Italian wines. So on that note, Super Tuscans definitely are Bordeaux blends, but with that little bit of the Italian twist to them that I just talked about. Uh, you see, I think you're being kind. I think a Super Tuscan is nothing more than a, park, uh, a marketing ploy to, to put the word super on it and get people not have to uh, put the, uh, the DOCG uh, ribbon on their bottle of wine and charge a lot of money for it. How's that? It, the, uh, that I, <laughs> I'm speechless. Uh, you know, so many people in Sicily are making these hopped up, Cabernet, Merlot, Syrah blends. So one of the people on my trip coined it as being the super Sicilian wine, so the, which is very popular. Some people, you know, people love them. Uh, the story behind it is very interesting, Travis. It sounds like you know the story behind the super Tuscans. Uh, I've heard bits. We've had conversations about it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's just, it's interesting to me. It's just all marketing. It, it really is. How can we, how can we up the margin, make it sound really cool? It, but at the end of the day, you said it right. If you like the taste of it, you like the taste of it. It's what you're willing to pay for, for that taste. Uh, if you want to fall into the trap of, I'm going to pay, you know, listen, I've seen bottles of super Tuscans that are more than Brunello's and that's just wrong. Right. I, I mean, it's oh just my wrong. Gosh. Sasakai is a couple hundred dollars yeah. a bottle. It's like, yeah, but but here's how that all started. And please stop me if you know the story. So um, they started making these uh, uh, wines, the Sasakai wine, and because it they were using the grapes that were not traditional Tuscan grapes, they were relegated to a table wine. So you've so on the label, it's a vino de tavolo. They didn't have to pay taxes on it because it was a vino de tavolo. They're bringing in mega bucks. So out of that, the Italian government created the IGT category. So at least they could tax these people for putting together these expensive wines. And now Super Tuscans, usually they're just at a DOC level. Sasakaya has its own DOC, but... The Super Tuscans are at a DOC level, finally. 
But you're absolutely, it could be a marketing ploy, but boy, it's really taken off. Yeah, we've covered it before, but maybe you should because you are teaching the class and you do have the Wines of Italy Glass by Glass, an Italian wine scholar prep course coming up October 12th through the 26th. It starts at $295 for the online class. It is, if you want to do it in person in Boston, it's $425. Uh, it, it comes with, uh, uh, it's, it's three Wednesdays, plus you can take an exam. Test test scare me, uh, but you know besides you know the wine list of what you want us to go purchase. Are there like uh, are there like a book material or PDF that you'll send us? And one of the things I'm sure you're going to go over is the DOC and the DOCG. Uh, why don't you tell everybody the difference between the DOC and the DOCG? Okay, so we're we have to talk pre 2007 and post-2007. Pre-2007, it was before the EU came in and established the regulations. Post-2007, the EU has the regulations. So let's stay with pre-2007. We start off with the lowest level, which is Vino de Tavola. So let's just say Pat's grandfather from Sicily makes wine behind his house and he puts it on the table and it's a red wine. That's a vino de tavola. We get up to the next level, which was it, which is IGT, Indicazione Geografica Tipica. I'll get back to that level in a moment. We'll go one step above that and we have DOC. They're roughly 400 give or take DOCs. That's a moving target. You have to make your wine in a certain way. You have to have your grapes grown in a certain way. You are relegated to certain grapes within a certain area. And then you can uh, label your wine as a DOC. Then we get to the very top of the heap, which is a DOCG. Denominazione origine controllata e garantata. The G designates that it specifically comes from that area. Uh, there are 77 DOCGs. So that is the difference. Now let's go back to the IGT for just a moment. IGT wines used to be the cheap and cheerful and not that great. Remember I told you I taught the white wine class in Tuscany and I found a white Viognier that is produced in Tuscany. Viognier is not a certified grape of Tuscany, the white grape Viognier. Therefore, the people who made this wine It was delicious, but it's not a certified grape that grows in Tuscany. Therefore, they had to put IGT on on the label. Mm. Uh, I want your listeners to understand that IGT does not mean a lesser product. These days, IGT is a sign of creativity. It's the winemaker wanting to do something a little bit left of center with his or her area of land. Now we talked about the EU. The EU came in 
in 2007 and lumped the DOCs and the DOCGs together in one, and they call it PDO. Well, if you were one of the 77 DOCGs, that might not make you too happy. So the EU allowed the Italians to still maintain their DOC and DOCG, despite the fact that there were new EU regulations as to how things could be labeled. How did that sound? That was awesome. It's interesting. And it's funny that you talked about, so when we, when we went the first time we were with a big group of people and, and everybody would go their separate ways and come back to the villa at the end of the evening with bottles from different regions of Tuscany. Well, my wife and I stopped into a little co-op and to the listeners that don't know how that works, they have these large vessels of, of wine, local wine, that you pour yourself into a bottle and take home. So we brought those back to the villa and we poured them for our guests uh, without them seeing where they came from. And they loved it. They loved it. And oh so, my God. I don't know what that is. And I, and I, I guess that t- I'm not particular, but it was delicious. And I don't, where does it fall on that spectrum? I think I know, but where does it fall on that spectrum? And why is that so good? It would probably fall on the vino de tavolo. These are the ones where you just go with a jug and you fill the wines. I've seen them do it with gas tanks, actually. (laughs) Vino de tavolo. And where would it fall on the spectrum? I would call it one of those burger quaffing wines that just go down like alcoholic water mm-hmm. and are delicious to have with food. Exactly. This is How the, does that, no, go ahead. Does that, is that what, was that the result? Pat? That was the experience. Yes. It was just, it was amazing. And it was, uh, I, I want to say it was maybe four Euro for a bottle that you poured yourself. Um, so it, that can happen with wine. That's you, you, some people feel like I said before, they need the most expensive, but the, the idea is what gives you the best enjoyment. Mm-hmm. This is the type of knowledge, this is the type of enthusiasm that you can uh, get with Joanne when you take the <laughs> Wines of Italy glass by glass uh, course, uh, an Italian wine scholar prep course. It's October 12th through the 26th, uh, $295 if you want to do it online, uh, $425 if you want to do it in person. And if you want to know more and sign up, go to commonwealthwineschool.com. Or you can also visit uh, Joanne's webpage, which is uh, jrosswine.com. Did you have fun with this, Joanne? Did you have fun with this? You guys are great. It's a lovely thing to do on a Saturday morning. So we we appreciate your time. And I can tell you uh, that you're probably going to see us in October because I have a feeling that Pat and I are both going to sign up for the class and, and we'd love to, to, to learn more about uh, the, 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 the regions of Italy with you and, and the rest of everybody else uh, in Boston and around the world. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, I promise you an excellent time. Joanne, thank you so much for your time. And let's do it again on the Total Tuscany podcast. I love it. Please call. I'm always happy to talk about it. Travis, that that was a great call, uh, great talk. You know, because I like personally, I like learning by stories. Yeah. Yes. And she, I can tell. We take her class. She's going to teach us about wine with stories, which I don't think I've ever had that before. Well, because we that's how most people learn is through stories. If it's just, you know, rigid coursework, you don't remember. You, you'll learn it, and then you forget it. 
I, I had an old World War II history teacher in high school who he, he, he taught through stories, not through just textbook learning, right? He was able to, and, and I remember probably more of his class than I do anything I went through, maybe college or high school, because, because of the stories that went around it. And, and that's what's great about Italy. That's what's great about wine is there are always stories that tend to go with your trip. There's always stories behind the wine. I mean, let's use our good friend, Anthony Frevoletti, who uh, we've, we've done many wine story or, or podcasts with. Uh, he always has a story with the wine, right? Well, and he's passionate. Yes. And talks about the mineral. I mean, I, I'll never forget his conversations about minerality. But Joanne is, uh, she's got, I don't know that I've ever talked to someone who has the depth of information over all those regions. So that that's going to be a great class. What where Joanne and I really related was that uh, you know she doesn't have any Italian blood in her. I don't have any Italian blood in her. But it's amazing how everybody can feel Italian. I mean, I know you're, you're Italian. You, you've got the name. You're Sicilian. You, you're rubbing it in. I get it. Uh, but uh, it uh, you don't have to be Italian to appreciate everything that takes place in Italy uh, and, and especially the wine. And uh, my wife and I are probably we're doing about we're doing at least a bottle a day now. Are you really? Yeah, we are. Um, and but I'm no different than probably your average consumer, right? We go to Costco uh, and we look for we or Trader Joe's, and we try to find that perfect eight to twelve to thirteen dollar bottle of wine that we can have on an everyday basis. Now I'm holding a Coley Barreto 2015 Chianti Classico Reserva. It's a DOCG. I think this was a it's probably a $50 bottle of wine, right? So, I mean, I'm not drinking this stuff on a, on a regular basis. I save, yeah. I save it for, you know, when you, when you come over and we have a, have a good meal or something like that. But I, but I think everybody kind of falls into that, uh, that realm of, hey, what, what can I drink on a regular basis for an affordable price and to just really sit back and enjoy? But what I like about what's coming up with the uh, Commonwealth Wine School and the Italy glass-by-glass uh course that Joanne is going to teach is that it's fun to sit down and when you are drinking to have a little bit of knowledge about it, be able to talk maybe with your friends about it and this and, and go into a, a, a longer and deeper conversation about wine. Well, it's like you said, um, it tastes different when you're here in the States than it when does. you're in Italy, but um, I guess it makes it taste a little better when you're having it with friends and you're talking about Italy. So if you are wondering where to sign up, you can go to CommonwealthWineSchool.com. If you're listening on Podbean or Spotify or iHeartRadio or anywhere or, or iTunes, you can also go to, uh, to click on the link uh, on TotalTuscany.com. And you can, uh, we'll have a, a link right there to where you can sign up for the Wines of Italy Glass by Glass, an Italian wine uh, scholar prep course. And we hope that you uh, will be joining Pat and myself in, in October as we learn more to, uh, about Italian wines, each region, and uh, have just a, a great three weeks together as we as we sit and, and, and we learn and we drink together. And, and, and if you do take the class, make sure that you tell us when we're on the class together. Yes. I'd like to know yes. if you listened and what you thought of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of telling us what you think, we don't say this enough because 
well, we, we tend to forget because we're forgetful get people is that, you know, take the time to give this podcast a like or a rating because the more people that like the podcast, the more people that share the podcast, the more people that uh, it tends to, to fall in the hands of because algorithms work that way. If you have time to give us a review, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, it, we'd like a good review. We'd like a five-star review and a written review. Uh, if you don't like us, well, I guess you can tell us, but we, I, we, we don't take bad news that well. So, uh, but, but again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you could take the time to give us a like, uh, a rating, or even a written review, that would help us a lot too. We're going to ask even more of you because we're going to ask you to uh, like our social media pages. We have a Facebook page, just search Total Tuscany. We have a Twitter account, just search Total Tuscany. And we have an Instagram account, just search Total Tuscany and like and follow all those social media pages. For Pat Campania, I'm Travis Justice. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the Total Tuscany Podcast.